hammer down and push your indie car to the limit. No better way to quiet your critics than to go to victory lane. From turbochargers to tight turns. We're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar Series. And Alex Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. No matter whether it's a street circuit, a road course, a super speedway, or a small oval, it's fantastic, and there's more to come in 2022. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Welcome, everybody. Jack Arud along with my compadre, my mi amigo. I don't know how you say it in Portuguese, but I'm sure he will tell us. TK, Tony Canaan, joining you for another episode of Brick by Brick here on NBC Sports Audio, Channel 85. All right, TK, I set the stage for you. How do you say my friend in Portuguese? Meu amigo. New amigo. Meu amigo. Meu amigo. All right, so it's pretty close. Uh, Still in Brazil, going to wing his way home uh, later this week, but did have the opportunity, as I did, to take in all that was the Acura Grand Prix in Long Beach, California. And, TK, just before we went on the air, I said to you, man, there is so much to unpack. We were right yet again, weren't we, friend? Uh, Team Penske continuing on uh, the onslaught of the early season. And JN, Joseph Newgarden, gets his second consecutive victory, winning on that very tight, difficult street course in Long Beach, California. Yeah, I mean, uh, impressive, right? What a, what a race. Um, I, I didn't expect that it was going to be, you know, that, like, with, with so many crashes and people driving in the limit, that tells you how tough and competitive the series is that people are just driving at the edge. So uh, for sure, I mean, that last yellow, we're going to talk about it, but uh, I think the race would have been a lot more uh, exciting, the more than it was with for uh, sure. yeah. and, and, uh, and New Garden at the end. But, I mean, what a race. And uh, Penske, man, what did, I, what did we say in the last show? I mean, I... We did pick the wrong guy to win, but still, it's very... Uh, We're again, still in the right saying, church. <laughs> right. The... Right. And it's very concerning, very concerning, not just Penske, but how Chevy he started the year so strong. Makes you wonder what the folks at Honda Performance are thinking right now. Although Grosjean's performance uh, in this race, and certainly the way until Colton, Colton Herta... Uh, had a miscue, and we're going to talk about that on pit road and got leapfrogged. Uh, Honda showed a sufficient amount of muscle and a rebound by Andretti Autosport. But let's go back to that caution with the display of the white flag lap. I, I get it. I-, I understand that sometimes just out of necessity, we have to end a race uh, under caution because of fuel con consumption, et cetera. A lot of the intricacies that go into strategizing a, a race in IndyCar, but can, can I voice my displeasure just as a fan, not as an IndyCar insider? Gosh, I wish there was a way that we could end these suckers under green. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's tough, Jack. You talk about, you know, uh, you're going to have to red flag it to get to get out. Like it's not just one lap. Right. So by the time they would, if you keep running, some people will run out of fuel. There are so many other yeah, things. Yeah. 
they were involved that it, it's really hard i i get it but i also get why not so uh you know it's uh it's one of those things it's a shame because i think would have been a a very a more exciting finish but the race was pretty exciting as well so yeah the race was exciting and some things that i had heretofore in all the years that i have covered the long beach grand prix ever since they introduced the fountain down there just after the first turn i tk i've never seen an indy car launch itself up into the into the flowers the way simon pagino did Oh, my oh five trouble guys. Simon Pagano is in the garden, side by side with Takuma Sato for some gardening work, right at the fountain. But then when I went back and reviewed it, he really didn't get launched in there. He was attempting to turn himself around in probably one of the tightest areas of the course and, and kind of high-sided himself up there. What was your take as you looked at it? It got squeezed, right? Um, oh, yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, again, I, I think Sato played quite hard. We know two cars were not going to go through there. I think Pagino was kind enough because he pushed his luck there. Uh, Sato pushed his luck there because I think if it was anybody else, would have actually put Sato on the wall. Um, but he was trying to be fair. And, uh, again, I mean, it's... Uh, they showed the displeasure, and then I think a lot of people in that field are not happy with Sato this weekend, especially on their last uh, last caution. So, but everybody's racing hard. Everybody's trying to to have a result. So um, it is what it is. Well, and look, anybody that is upset with Takuma Sato certainly uh, hasn't paid attention. Uh, you don't, uh, as an IndyCar driver, live by uh, no attack, no chance, and then unexpectedly see what we've seen from Takuma Sato. So it's kind of the way I referred to Eddie Cheever uh, back in the day. And, and don't you weigh in on this because Cheever may hunt you down, but let him come after me. I have always maintained anybody that attempted to pass Eddie Cheever on the outside had better be prepared for the block. So when I would interview them afterwards and they would express a displeasure and surprise, I thought, what have you been doing your entire IndyCar career? He can make that rear wing four times wider than allowed by the specs. You know, go to the inside of the guy. Don't go to the outside because he's a moving accident in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we talked about it on the show uh, a few times. And uh, you need to, like, you know who you're racing with, right? You know yeah. the driver, how hard you can race someone. I know in an oval who I can go side by side on the outside or on the inside, who I need to just wait and I need to pass as fast as I can. So that, that I'm not going to elaborate more on that. I think you guys got the message. What I'm trying <laughs> to say. I think uh, Simon was a little naive on that one. Well, and uh, as we talk about Joseph Newgarden, he will be a guest here uh, on uh, brick by brick this week. But in the meantime, I, I want to circle back. Uh, and, and I wonder, you, you mentioned, TK, that you were not surprised, but that everybody was up on the wheel. Everybody was attack, attack, attack throughout the course of that race. Uh, this is a bit of a stretch, but, you know, sometimes I, 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 I get in touch with my gut. Uh, and I kind of felt that everybody went into that race thinking, hey, we're going to have to do something way outside the box to beat the kid. 
that Colton Herta in all of the prep and qualifying had so had been so dominating that everybody said, look, there's no time to be patient. Uh, we'll save the patience for Barber. We've got to see if we can rattle this guy. And in the end, um, it was not Colton Herta. But also in the end, I felt as if it was a mistake that caused him to be leapfrogged. And it was only a couple of tenths of a second when he started to pull in to his incorrect pit area, just on that little that little bend that we have on pit road at Long Beach. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that I don't know what happens, right? I mean, pit lane's tight, very busy, very confusing. Actually, on a race weekend, Jack, the first thing we do, you try to look not where your pit uh, box is, but what is the reference on your left, especially in Long Beach, because it's like, okay, is that a bridge? Is that a Honda sign? Is it sure. something so you don't get lost? Because obviously we sit so low, you have cars behind you, and you don't want to miss your pit box. I mean, look, like you said, everybody were in the edge because every tenth counts. You don't know. I mean, look, I mean, look at uh, New Garden got so much closer than, to Palu on a pit stop because they had a better stop. So you can't miss anything. And, and that becomes, you know, the pit stop. People don't realize how it's probably the most stressful part of a race because you got to hit your marks. you gotta be, you got to get in fast. you got to get out fast. You have to have a, a quick reaction. The guys need to do a job. So I, I don't know. I think uh, we're gonna, we, can, we can talk more about Horta, how talented the kid is. But I've seen, you know, it happened in Indy, Indy Lights a couple times and it happened – last year and this year saying some crucial times. I don't know if he pushes too hard and then ends it up, you know, making some mistakes, but it looks like when he has a very strong car that happens quite often. Yeah. It's the opposite of when he has a car that he's squeezing 110% out of because it isn't as good, but when it is in that super duper sweet spot, it's almost as, as if, subconsciously he takes liberties and it bites him in the keister. That, right. Yeah, I mean, that's my you know, if you go back to Nashville, he had a dominant car and then it got in his head because at some point he's like, how come I'm not dominating anymore? How come Erickson, it's catching me. And this weekend, and I think it doesn't help that it was everybody like, everybody handled him Nashville. Everybody handled him the race in Long Beach before Newgarden even mentioned in his interview that he was yeah. offended. So, I don't know. I don't know if that adds pressure. And then he's running, all of a sudden he's running to top three. He's not leading anymore. And he's like, wow, I need to push to try to get it. And then, you know, Long Beach and that place, it's so easy to make a mistake. There's a big bump on the braking there. And it takes a, just a little bit like it took him. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of those things, you know, eventually you, you definitely have to stop making those mistakes. But we all do. We all did. We always will make. And that is just, you know, the nature of of, of IndyCar racing because you're pushing to the limit. But, yeah, definitely, uh, you know. And, and it was funny to hear. Did you hear him telling uh, his dad that he didn't have to tell him the strategy over the radio? So it was kind of like a father and son. <laughs> it was a little spat there, the wasn't there? The only thing that was absent is Brian saying to his son, uh, go to your room, okay? <laughs> Maybe the conversation afterwards is the one I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall. Hello, mate, 
bit hard for the Frenchman. Grosjean wheel to wheel with the Spaniard again. Now he's going to try and squeeze him over a little bit. Power to Grosjean, player, player. second place. Roman Grosjean, uh, probably one of the key players in the uh, the compelling nature of this this story and what might have been, what could have been if it had finished under caution. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I think that very well could have been Grosjean's very best performance since he, since he strapped himself in an IndyCar just a little bit more than 13 months ago for the first time. Yeah, I mean, obviously the guy uh, was pretty strong last year. Um, I said at the beginning of the year, you know, I mean, people think, oh, coin, it's a, they're not a small team. They're, they're a good mm -hmm. team. They had a good group of people. Olivier went, his engineer, Olivier, that was my engineer with Eric when we won the 500, left uh, their coin to go to, to Andretti with Grosjean. So there is no reason that he was going to be strong. And the resources there are much better. But when you move from a small team to a big team with four cars, all stars, look at the names there to his teammates, Rossi, Herta. You know, it, it, it's, it adds pressure. But I think that come, he, come, he comes from Europe, Formula One, your teammate is your worst enemy. And, 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 and I think he fitted pretty well. They get along well, looks like. And uh, he's, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, Andretti has three really strong guys. But right now, Grosjean, on his first year, usually takes you a little bit, Jack, to get used to a new team, you know, to get a little bit you know, get to know your guys. And, and it, it always it always does that. And he, he didn't have that. And, and, I mean, I think Herta and, and, and Rossi need to be on the lookout because uh, he can become probably, you know, their, one of their, their top, top drivers choose by your team owner. You, you know, there, there's one aspect to uh, his entrance over here to IndyCar Racing, and it, it came early on in one of my uh, discussions with him on the podcast wind tunnel. And it was an aside that I then kind of drilled into and TK, I think you can relate to this. Uh, he made an aside that saying what he loved the most about IndyCar racing was you didn't uh, know during preseason testing, whether you were going to finish mid pack or last as it is the case in formula one, you know what I'm talking about there pretty much. Uh, everything is predetermined based upon what these uh, 10, and hopefully if Michael gets signed off by the F F FIA, the 11th Formula One team, uh, that once they come up and debut what they're going to present for the season, you pretty much know where you're going to be on the grid and in the point standings. Do you not in F1? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, look at, it's I always said that like this year it's actually been pretty uh diversified because of the rules that they change but usually you know when you join a team yeah. and F1, what's your goal your goal is to be your teammate and you make 10 points depending on the team and you need to be the one team in front of you you know what I mean you're the best out of seven teams or you know you're the eighth team and I mean he's he, I think he found himself, he's enjoying it a lot. I mean, no driver, regardless where you, okay, Formula One, NASCAR, you, you name it. Oh, I made it. But you, if you made it, but you're not having good results, it's definitely not fun. It's never fun to be last, you know, to not to have a go. And you can see how, how pumped he is, how motivated he is, 
obviously, I think he has an eye on what Michael is going to do in F1, maybe because he knows, hey, maybe if I do good here, but I also think that place is, uh, has a little name from a young American instead of Grosjean. So I think he's probably going to have to just concentrate on, you know, staying in America after his Formula One run. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think he can, he's, he's going to be, he's very popular. Jack, I mean, it's very unusual to have a guy that comes in from Europe and, and just become extremely popular in a year like that. It took us a few years to, uh, for people to know us. So uh, I think he has everything, man. Hey, before we go to break and welcome in uh, the, uh, the two-timer, the, uh, the only double winner in NTT IndyCar competition in 2022, Joseph Newgarden, uh, a couple of one-liners that uh, I classify as say what? Uh, let's start with Pato Award, who rebounded after a pretty disappointing uh, early part of the season and, uh, you know, looked like the Pato Award of, uh, of old. And yet one of the things that he told, and I forget who it was, I believe it was Lee Diffie, uh, it was that, you know what, he needed to rebound, but most importantly, and this I'm paraphrasing, we need to rely on our engineers with my team, not the input that we're getting from Great Britain. Sounded to me, as I say, triggering that say what, that maybe, just maybe, uh, there's, there's, there's at least a re-examination of how McLaren is going to go about their business between Formula One. Do you want Formula me to translate One. to you? Yeah, give it to me. Basically, he said, people in Europe need to shut up because they're in Europe, they're not here, and let us do our jobs. Because, I, and I know exactly what he's saying. I know exactly how the attitude is. Uh, when it talks, you know, you, you add too many engineers, too many people from the outside. Yeah. Everybody's going to have, they have so much information with McLaren that everybody has a theory. And I remember the best phrase, my good old friend, Alex Anardi told me that he hated the most was from an engineer in Europe says, simulation says, and simulations doesn't say a lot. I mean, it says a lot, but your butt tells you what to feel so i think you know i think he pato got annoyed because i think they tried to follow something and believe something that you know came from the outside and he's probably was saying something and people were trying to say that was not correct and he got really upset that's i i, I can bet you that exactly I what agree. happened i agree and in the stay tuned department uh, when Zach Brown reemerges uh, here stateside to look over his holdings at Arrow Team McLaren SP, it'll be interesting to see how Zach Brown handles a little bit of that. But then again, will somebody from the media ask that question? And finally, how about uh, Graham Rahal laying the gauntlet down? for the upcoming Indianapolis 500. It's been a disappointing season for Ray Hall. It's been a disappointing in, in only in one respect, showing, uh, you know, strokes of, of, of real positivity and, and gaining. But for the three-car team, uh, he said, and I quote, I expect to win the Indy 500. I thought last year we were really good until that race-ending crash on lap 118 and the year before we finished third so 
I, I kind of like that attitude, but here's a memo to my buddy Graham. Yeah, okay, you expect to win the Indy 500. Hmm, let me see. I think there's 32 other drivers that expect to do exactly the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we interview longer, and he says we're going to do one, two, three this weekend. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, how'd that work was, out? Yeah. You know, uh, I think they're going to be strong, but I don't know what's going on there, Jack. It's uh, there. Honestly, I'm it's, I'm not taking a jab at anybody. It's just really looking from the outside, in my opinion. They look very inconsistent, and it's tough. It's tough to uh, to predict anything like that when you're not that consistent. So, but it's the 500. You never know. You know, we're gonna have two two days of testing this month, April 20 and 21st. Then we have the whole week before qualifying. So. And, and it's a whole nother beast. People get prepared in different ways uh, for that race. So I, I don't discount them at all, especially with their record there, you know, with, with Takuma running that year. I mean, they always ran fast. So we'll see. Well, and let's always remember, you and I have said it, A.J. Foyt, I believe, is the first one to actually say it. That's that you do not win the Indianapolis 500. The Indianapolis chooses you to win. So stay tuned. Uh, in our final segment this, this evening, we will take a look, a sneak preview at the testing for all of the aspirants for the Indy 500 starting field this season. We'll also begin to break down what we should expect at Barber Motorsports Park and maybe a little postscript on the performance of TK's uh, good friend, Alex Pillow, part of the uh, Chip Ganassi team who certainly put together a great run and finish with some good calls from the pit box. But up next, it is time for us to visit with uh, Joseph Newgarden, hot off a thrilling back-to-back -back victory, first at Texas, and now this past weekend, at the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, and how he had a score to settle before they drew, even dropped the green flag. We'll get to that and much, much more after you listen to these messages. A quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Hi, it's Jack Aroot. I welcome you to embrace the power and speed of the NTT IndyCar Series here on Sirius XM. Each week at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Audio Channel 85, myself and former Indy 500 champion Tony Kanaan gets you caught up with all the latest news and notes on Brick by Brick. Also, hear every race all season long on Sirius XM IndyCar Nation Channel 160. And, as always, on the Sirius XM app, free for most subscribers. From the green flag to the checkered flag, we're discussing the hottest topics from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Joseph Newgarden is a Long Beach Grand Prix winner. Long Beach, guys. Long Beach. It's been a while. Thank you. Well, Mr. Newgarden, welcome, and we appreciate your taking a little time to spend with us after your back-to-back -back victories. Uh, had to be kind of special to you. That was very special. Um, you know, a lot of people were asking why it's so difficult to go back-to-back -back in this series, and I think it's just the, the level and the caliber of drivers and teams. You know, everyone is is performing at 
at such a high level that it's very difficult to, to get um, a consistent edge on the field. And I feel like we've come out of the gates really strong here with Team Penske, and it's given us the ability to do that. You know, we've had good cars at each track we've gone to and, and good team execution, which is what we expect to have at Team Penske. And, um, yeah, it was thrilling, you know, just to be able to finally to win a race at Long Beach, which I've been trying to do for 11 years now. I've been close, been, been second three times there. So to finally, you know, seal the deal on one was, was very gratifying. You talk about the closeness of competition, and yet there was a moment that you shared with the TV viewers in your post-race victory lane comments about an encounter that you had before the race with a journalist that had already, like a lot, let's be honest, a lot of the paddock area, had seeded the event to Colton Herta. Share with us a little bit about that conversation. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so I was in the press conference after qualifying, and we had we had basically done all the interviews for it, uh, both myself and Colton and, and Alex. And, and I was walking out and a reporter like came up to me, um, like came running after me and got, got to me as I got to the stairs. And he just, he just leaned in really quick and he goes, Hey, Joseph, one question, like, you know, um, at what point tomorrow does, does Colton Herta check out? And I, I just thought it was, it was such a brazen question. Like, like who, who just assumes that, you know, you can't, you can't assume that. Um, and he said it was such authority that it like kind of caught me off guard, but I just told him, you know, Hey, it was my job to not let him do that. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I'm not one to use things like that as motivation, but I, I thought about it the night before and I'm like, you know what? Um, just the way that he had had, had stated the comment, um, there's no way we're going to allow him to do that tomorrow in the race. So uh, we worked really hard, you know, to not let him get away. And it wasn't just myself. I thought Alex uh, Pelot did an amazing job. I thought he was very quick and very deserving himself. So, you know, we, we definitely, we all pulled in uh, to try and, you know, win the race. And, and Colton is a fierce competitor. And obviously, you know, he's very capable of winning it too. But um, in this series, it's very hard to de declare something like that. You just don't know how these races are going to turn out these days. You, uh, I guess the most, the kindest way I can put it is Team Penske and, and you uh, did not have the best of seasons one year ago. And all of a sudden, straight off the trailer, right after media days, Team Penske is back to being the juggernaut that we all year in and year out expect. Without giving away any trade secrets, Joseph, what was the difference? What happened in the offseason? Well, I think what people are seeing is probably a resurgence in the, uh, you know, team across the board, you know, because if I, if I look at ourselves last year, I, I thought, you know, we were very much championship contenders. Um, you know, we're one race away from, from winning the championship, you know, if, if road America, just to give people context, if, if road America doesn't happen for us, we win the championship. I mean, it's as simple as that. And the, that context is to say that, you know, the two car was really quick and I was really proud of our performance. And I felt like that was there you know, right from the beginning of the year when everyone was, was kind of dogging on the team. Um, and I think, you know, what they were picking up on more so was that across the board as a team, we weren't the strength that people expected to see. They expected to see all the Penske cars fast. And so that was a big emphasis this offseason was, you know, how do we elevate the whole group? You know, how do we get everybody in the conversation, um, you know, and a force again? And I feel like that, is, that has been the difference maker so far is, we've made some changes, we've elevated every car. And you're seeing that, you know, the start this year, our, all, all three of our cars have been incredibly successful and very fast and contributing. And that has definitely made a difference. I think whenever we're in that type of form, 
is when we can be most competitive as an organization. Um, so we're very pleased that, you know, that's sort of transpired. We've, we've been, you know, to purposely targeting to try and make that happen. And, and I feel like um, we've made some good progress with it so far. Away from the track, how's the baby watch going? Uh, baby watch, it's alive and well. We are expecting at, at some point. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll happen when it happens, but we're, we're here and here and waiting. Well, you realize that anybody that is a parent will uh, share stories all the time about how the bag for the hospital is packed and it's over in the corner and constant uh, watch on making sure you've got a full tank of gas. So so what is the routine that the Newgarden family has employed as you sit there ready and waiting for the big event? Well, I mean, we've been preparing for this thing for like six months. So I, I don't, I don't <laughs> much like our race team. I don't know how we can be more ready. You know, it's that we're ready to be ready. We've got everything packed and it's just, it, you know, for me, it like just feels kind of odd. I feel like we should be doing more. And, you know, everyone that we talk to is, you know, you just kind of show up when it's time. Um, so that's, that's the funniest part about it to me is everyone's so nonchalant about it. And uh, yeah, we're in that, we're in that zone where, you know, when it happens, it happens. Pole run on the way to the, uh, on the way to the hospital. Do you anticipate that? Is it 10 tenths or uh, is it more like a, uh, you know, a leak down check? See, that's a little that, slower. That, that's <laughs> the other thing. Like I'm telling you, like everyone that talks to us just says like, don't rush to the hospital. They're, they're like, take your time. Don't even, you know, wait a little bit because if you're not ready, when you get there, they'll turn you away. Um, so I don't know, this is very different than what I grew up anticipating watching movies. And <laughs> I think it's pretty chill. Like we're, I, unless it's not, maybe it won't be chill for us, but I think it could be pretty chill. Let me switch gears for a second, because I've had this conversation with others. Um, you've got Barber, then the Indianapolis road course. And then of course the, the granddaddy of them all, the greatest spectacle in race in the Indy 500. But in between Barber and the road course event at Indy, you've got a very important two-day test in prep for the Indianapolis 500. I'm not dismissing, you know, the importance of Barber or the Indy Grand Prix, but that test, does that carry with it just as much pressure as going into a points-paying event like in Alabama or like in Indianapolis? Well, I think it is a, it's a, it's a test you want to capitalize on, right? You know, it's an opportunity for all of us to get ahead of our month of May program. And so we want to utilize that to the best of our ability. I, I understand it's going to be televised, which is great. I think it is a, it's an important test for everybody. So it, it will be entertaining to watch to see how people approach it. Um, but yeah, for us, we're going to, we're, we're planning on maximizing it as much as we can. I think it is, Whenever you get an opportunity to run at Indianapolis for a couple of days, especially right before you know the month of May, it can, it can really give you a head start on where you're at and what you're doing. Um, so we're prioritizing it. It's very, very important. Uh, but obviously, you know, Barber and, and the GP are also important. So we've got to try and divvy our time up and make sure that we're accounting for, for all of it. Um, but the test is, is definitely, um, I'm not going to say critical, but it's, it's you know, for us, we're, we're putting very high importance on it. Look, you and I have had this discussion before. The Indianapolis 500 has been elusive. Uh, and yet you have always said that you're not going to allow the fact that you haven't uh, sipped from uh, the bottle of milk in Victory Lane to define who Joseph Garden or 
his career is. But come on, let's be honest. You check the box at the Long Beach Grand Prix. How desperately do you want to check the next box? And that's at the corner of 16th and Georgetown Road in Indianapolis. Well, I would love it. I mean, I, I would love nothing more. I just can't, you know, I can't do more than what I'm doing. And I, and I, I know that that's, you, that's very important to understand that, you know, you can only focus on what's in your control and you can put your best effort forward. And, you know, I, I know wholeheartedly I've done that and I'll continue to do it. Um, it's not going to change for me. So I, I'm going to approach it the same way and, and give it everything I've got. And, you know, my, my hope is that one day that's, an, that's enough and that, you know, the tides will, will turn favorably for us. So we've just got to, you know, wait and see, but um, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's number one on the list for me. Is that attitude something that's come with age, with family, uh, with the fact that, you know, you're a veteran now, or has that always been the way you've looked at the Indianapolis 500? Yeah, it's kind of how I've always looked at it. You know, maybe not my rookie year. I think, you know, I probably wasn't in that frame of mind. And, you know, when I was 21 years old, but, um, you know, certainly for the last, you know, for the foreseeable years, I, I, you know, five, six years back, I've, I've approached it the same way. So for the majority of my career, I've had sort of the same thought process um, towards that race. And, and it's really, it's not that much different than the way I approach any event to be quite honest. Um, you know, it's, it's my, it's my philosophy that they're all, you know, one in the same mentality wise, they should be, you know, uh, I think that gives you the best opportunity to succeed. Um, you know, and, and there's, there's a lot of things that influence these outcomes. There's, it's, it's impossible to, to go through every scenario and thing that has to go right. But, you know, when you focus on what's in your control and, and what's in front of you and, and you're putting in the maximum effort that you have possible, you know, I, I don't see how you can do much more. Hey, listen, we do appreciate your stopping by. Congratulations, and let the celebration continue. There's still a lot of work ahead. And I'm not talking about in the cockpit of the Team Penske car. I'm talking about what you and your lovely bride are facing because uh, there'll be a lot of, uh, shall we say, 2 a.m. feedings. There'll be a lot of things where leading up to it, you're going to, uh, you know, hand over the ice chips, remind your lovely bride, breathe, breathe. You know, it's your life is about to change forever, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it all. Ready for it all. Good to see you, Jack. Well, coming up next, it'll be time for us to put a ribbon on this package and tie it in a good bow. TK and I will do so and talk about what we learned this week on Brick by Brick after you take this time out. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. We've been preparing for this thing for like six months, so I I don't, I don't, (laughs) much like our race team, I don't know how we can be more ready. You know, it's that we're ready to be ready. We've got everything packed. Pole run on the way to the, uh, on the way to the hospital. You anticipate that? That, that's the other thing. Like, I'm telling you, like everyone that talks to us just says, like, don't rush to the hospital. They're, they're like, take your time. Don't even, you know, wait a little bit, because if you're not ready, when you get that, they'll turn you away. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, Joseph Newgarden about to change his entire life there, TK, uh, uh, as we visited with him, about to be a new dad. Uh, any advice that you'd like to give uh, Jay New about what lies ahead as a dad of a, a, a couple of kids yourself, I mean, your life does change forever, does it not? 
Yeah, I would say just uh, it, that I, I actually told him that last time I saw him. I said, you know, you definitely, once you hold your daughter in your arms for the first time, you will know what the definition of love is. You, you, yeah. you have yeah. no idea. And the advice is to enjoy, man. It's, uh, you know, there are hard days, there are easy days, there are fun days. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, for me, it's the best thing that can happen to a human being. Well, it's pretty obvious to me that while he had a score to settle with that media member, uh, more importantly, I still believe that <laughs> in his mind, he has a score to settle with the Indianapolis 500. And certainly we're all speculating because of the performance early on this season, uh, the continuation of the muscle exhibited a by team Penske, but also by Chevrolet uh, in between, we've got to take a look at the, you know, the Indy Grand Prix on the road course. And of course, coming up Barber Barber in the Indy road course, similarities and dissimilarities from your perspective. Uh there is nothing similar. I mean, the only similarity yeah. is they're both they're both road courses. But Barber, a lot of ups and downs, uh, a very uh, some very slow corners, some medium to high speed. Indies mostly high speed, to be honest. Some curbing that you can use. So I don't think it relates at all, Jack. Uh, to be honest with you, but um, um, you know the championship is getting to a point that you know it. it somebody from other teams besides Penske, they need to start get going. Otherwise it's going to be a problem. The, the biggest thing is if, if I'm not mistaken, Indy is still double points this year, the five. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that right there can change. Game changer. So, yep. you know, adding just a little bit more pressure to the 500. I mean, that, that result there can actually make you lose a championship. So, let alone that you want to win the 500 and you, you, you I mean, and you talk about this, the, the, the sixth race of the year, you're already thinking I can lose the championship. Then it's, uh, it's quite a bit of a lot of pressure. So the next two races, in my opinion, points, points, look at, I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but look at Palu. I mean, he's just been consistent. I mean, he did 19 races for chip, 10 of them, he finished in the podium, you know, and, and the consistency is going to, it's going to pay off. And then you hit, you know, you go to the 500 and you, you have a good result and the guy that is leading the championship, it doesn't, you can just, you don't cannot just catch him, but you can catch him and pass him and double your advantage. So it's going to be interesting to see in the next two races, what's, what's coming up to, to up to, you know, before the 500. Well, and we're going to get to a question that I want to throw out to you and to our listeners as well. And that's the significance and the importance of those two races that provide points, but in between that two-day test session at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, strikes me that in some respects for all teams, that is at least at the very minimum equally as important as what you produce at Barber and then on the road course at Indy. What say you? No, 100%. I think uh, that's going to set the tone for a lot of things that the teams are being, you know, working on over the winter. And this is, this is going to be the first time we'll get to try it. So um, you have two days and then the big teams, we have another, you know, another month to prepare again, just in case something needs to be improved or, you know, some results that you wanted at some numbers, arrow numbers that you wanted at that, 
you wanted to confirm, I mean, I can assure you that, you know, a lot of the teams are going to go back to the simulator and to the wind tunnel right after the test in May to be even more prepared. That's just the nature of the business. And that's just how important the 500 is. So, but I'm excited. It's going to be my first time in the car since last year. So uh, since, you know, my last race, so uh, I can't wait. Yeah, well, you came tantalizingly close to not being able to say that anymore as uh, your teammate Jimmy Johnson in the in the first practice of, has a fracture in his hand. Um, Dr. Trammell did a terrific job splinting it up, but it just was a horror show for poor old Double J uh, at Long Beach as he went into it with an awful lot of positivity, and you had to field a phone call. They didn't know where you were, though, right? Uh, yeah, it was kind of like, hey, uh, where's TK? And then I had heard what happened. I'm like, uh, far away. So, I, and I know Jimmy, he's not going to, unless he's definitely not able to drive the car, you guys can figure out how to make it. I mean, I drove it for broken hand before. And then, but that was, yeah, it was a phone call like, hey, wondering, are you around? I'm like, well, not really. I mean, yeah, you want to come, come over for lunch yeah, yeah. and bring your, bring your helmet. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the but, day, I'm glad, you know, it worked out for him. But yeah, it was, man, what a tough weekend for him. He kind of, the only session that he didn't have trouble was qualifying. So uh, especially coming out of a Texas race that he did so well, I think his confidence was, confidence was up. Uh, he was extremely pumped. The whole team was pumped. And that was a big swing. So hopefully, I know he's recovering. He's already on the sim. I saw him on the sim this morning. Um, it, it, it wasn't like uh, he'll be fine for Barbara. So there is no need for Tony Canon to be around for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he'll be okay for the test in, a, in next week. Uh, in the ovals, it's a lot less stressful in your hand. But yeah, man, I, I, I talked to him a little bit. He was really upset because obviously it was all of them was his mistakes, but it's the price you pay, you know, for learning. It's it, that is no, you can't buy experience, man. And then I feel for him. I think we talked about this in the, in our show, Jack, many times people that did the opposite. You saw how much people struggle and we, you know, and the other side kept saying, Oh, see this and that. Now, unfortunately, Jimmy's the one that is proving how hard it is both ways and how different the series are. So felt bad for him. I mean, it's really uh, it's really frustrating to see uh, the struggle, but we'll see. Look, you and I know him very well. And one of the things that just stood out with all that he had to endure at the Acura Grand Prix, and you mentioned it, just how frustrated he was. He wasn't frustrated at anybody other than himself. And it was a tone and an emotional reaction that I thought was 180 degrees opposite of last season, where last season it was always prefaced with, well, I still got a lot to learn. I still have to, you know, learn to perform. This time I saw Jimmy Johnson was just plain pissed off that he had screwed the pooch not once, but repeatedly, and he expected better out of himself. A hundred percent. I mean, you can see that, like, you, if you guys watch the broadcast, the, the frustration on yeah. his face with his in-car camera, and he was kicking the wheel like, you know, it, it, he's trying so hard to, to be, you know, to be successful, to learn. And then it's a steep curve. 
I mean, it's just the way it is. You can't shorten it. But when you win seven championships and you become one of the greatest in the sport, it's hard to swallow that it's taking you. You put that responsibility in yourself, saying that is no way I need to learn this. That you, and you keep fighting with your head. You keep debating and doubting and not doubting yourself, but not like why this is happening, why it's not happening. What do I need to do? And that surge. And I think we did talk about this. You had a great interview with him, Jack. Um, you saw what I told him uh, mm-hmm. in St. Pete. And then it was, you know, people didn't hear. I mean, they can listen to your podcast. Um, it, it's going to come. But at this point, actually, what I told him this weekend, I said, Jimmy, you know, I, I think the only advice, because he's like, what do I need? What do I need to do? I said, actually, from the outside, which is easy to said and done, you need probably now just to relax, which is almost impossible to do. You know, how can I relax if I'm running 23rd or 25th? I said, I understand that. But I think right now the point is, Jack, it's not just the pressure of performing because it's a, it's a tough series. He's adding a way too much pressure on himself. And I think it's going against them right now. Well, we'll talk a lot more about Barber in the week leading up next week. Uh, well, also, one of those topics that I do want to drill down in with you is uh, Roger Penske beginning to at least weigh in on uh, Formula One's expected expansion to three races uh, this coming season, Miami, Coda, and now Las Vegas, and saying he's not threatened at all. And I know both you and I have uh, maybe some interesting takes on that. And it will be fun to track because I think that IndyCar finds itself in a very attractive situation right now. And the popularity of IndyCar racing and look at even NASCAR and Formula (laughs) One can only benefit everybody. What is the old line? A rising tide floats all boats. Uh, I think that's the case here with any sort of motorsports. And uh, before we... Uh, end this little uh, uh, one-hour get-together. How about some kudos to our buddy Sebastian Bourdais and to yeah, your what, team? You know, what, what Cadillac back out front in Long Beach, huh? I know. One, two, and then, you know, Seb was already had, a, had to put an amazing lap in Sebring. They started on the pole and they had a problem, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see. I mean, it's good to see Seb. Seb is a, a, a superb driver, and uh, you know, I think since the the re- reunification of the series, he, he you know he came as a, a multi multi year champion, and, and and never really got to a top team and then struggled. So now I, it's hard to make Seb happy because that's just the way he is. That's Seb, but, yeah. You know, to see him smile, even though he smiles and he say, "Good job," you go, "Yeah," but I'm like, "Come on, man." It's just, uh, it's great. I think he has a great career in sports car. I mean, which is going to last a lot longer than his IndyCar career. Um, I was happy for Ganassi and and Cadillac. I think, uh, you know, obviously as a team, you know, doing a one, two and dominating like that was was pretty cool. So an awesome job by him for sure. And finally, uh, the guy that replaced him at AJ Foy Racing, yet again, a terrific performance by Kyle Kirkwood 
And look, I understand Pitt Fit in Indianapolis. I understand all of the things that you and Dixie and everybody thinks about, you know, the, the, the physicality and how to best prepare. But uh, here, here's, here's a little aside for you, pal. Maybe you better learn how to surf. This kid it, lives by, by surfing uh, and, and fulfilled one of the bucket list things, checking the box, went surfing on the West Coast and dusted all those West Coasters with the East Coast Jupiter, Florida style. Get a surfboard, TK. But you know answer. what, Jack? I mean, the, the young kids have to do that. I, I've done my share. So I, I've done my okay. share of copy. What, what did Zanardi do for workout? What did, uh, you know, Montoya never did. But uh, what Dan Weldon did or war. So you try to copy that. But, I mean, back on Kirkwood, uh, it's, it's amazing what he's doing. Um, and uh, I'm going to leave us at the end of the show with a question, not just for the audience, but for you as well. Do you really Let's think he's going to be at Foyt next year? Oh, that is amazing. That was what I was about to ask you. And the answer at this point in time, I don't think so. Hey, listen, uh, that'll put a lid on this week's show. You got a comment to that? Do you agree? No, I, I, no, I just raised the question. I, I'll, I'll let, we can talk about it later. Sounds like a deal. Uh, thanks to our, our guest, Joseph Newgarden. Quick reminder that if you want more motorsports competition and more IndyCar interviews, how about subscribing to my podcast series, Jackaroots Wind Tunnel? It's available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That's Jackaroots Wind Tunnel. Quick reminder that the executive producer of Brick by Brick is Marissa Rivas. Our producer is the inimitable Nate Lee. But for my partner, Tony Kanan, I'm Jackaroot reminding you to be sure to join us next week when we gather for another edition of Brick by Brick right here on Sirius XM Radio.